Hi, I'm Ariane Sparks. Welcome to the Hot Seat. With us today to discuss the recent bailout in Greece and the future of the European Union is Professor Simon Hicks. Thanks for being with us, Simon. Thanks. So can you tell us about the current situation in Greece? Well, the current situation is that Greece has run up unsustainable debts, and this has an effect on the value of the euro because um, Greece shares a currency with uh, 13 other EU member states, and um, the debt value of the Greek debts has, affects the debt value for the other member states. And so um, the other member states as part of the euro are in, you know, worry about what's going to happen to Greece because if Greece defaults, this has real pressure on the value of the euro and the value of their bonds that they sell as governments and destabilizes the euro in general. So there's pressure on the other states in the eurozone to come up with some money to help bail out Greece. Now, the problem is... Legally, in the way the euro works, it was set up originally with a, what's called a no-bailout clause. So in the treaty, in the Maastricht Treaty, it says that the whole point of the euro was that it wasn't allowed to get states to bail, to, wasn't allowed to bail out states who would default within the eurozone because this would be what economists call moral hazard. If you, if you don't say beforehand we're going to bail you out, then people look at it and say, hey, a state could run up big debts and the others would have to bail them out. But, so that's why they put it in the, in the treaty in the first place. But that's exactly what's happened. So... It's a, they've come up with a very kind of peculiar way of bailing out Greece without bailing out Greece. So they've put up financial loans to Greece with, to, with the expectation Greece will pay them back. And then they can call that legally that this is not a bailout. So um, there won't be challenges, for example, in the German Constitutional Court because they can say we're not bailing them out, we're actually loaning them the money. But the problem with loaning them the money is the markets don't believe Greece is going to pay back the loans. And so they're putting even more pressure on Greece. So the expectation right now is that one of two things will happen. Either Greece will default because they will not be able to pay back these debts. And if Greece defaults, that's a real pressure for the euro. There's a possibility then Greece would be forced out of the euro. And then there could be a domino effect. If the pressure is then on Greece, what happens next to Portugal and then to Ireland and then to Spain? So that's one option. The other option is there will be genuine sort of fiscal union within the monetary union. So the EU would have to set up a proper sort of fiscal federal structure to have common rules governing public finances, common rules governing this sort of transfer of funds from one state to another state. And German taxpayers, for example, are saying if we're going to have this fiscal union, then Greece has to buy up to certain things that Germany wants to impose on Greece. For example, a common retirement age, they'd have to raise their retirement age, they'd have to raise their tax revenue, they'd have to basically do things the German way. And so this raises big problems for democratic accountability in Greece, where Greece is essentially handing over sovereignty to Germany. So either of the two potential outcomes that people are looking at right now are not really palatable, and this is the problem we face right now. Can you have monetary union without full-scale fiscal cooperation? Yeah, this is exactly the problem. Right at the beginning, people said this. Can you have monetary union without a, a common budget? And back in, when they first started talking about monetary union in the 1970s, there was a report written called the Werner Report that said that the EU would have to have 5% of its GDP in taxation at the EU level if there was going to be a common currency. Now, economic and political thought moved on since then, and they said, well, actually, we can make monetary union work if we just converge in economic models to minimize the possibility that the, we would have this sort of big variance in economic performance or, or the potential of default. So we'd have to converge on our level of public debt. We'd have to converge on our annual budget deficit. We'd have to converge generally in our economic performance. And if we could do that, we wouldn't necessarily have to have this, this large fiscal union. But they did that as part of the Maastricht criteria, but they sort of fudged 
membership of the euro. So the euro would have been fine if it had been Germany and some core states around euro, like the Benelux, France, Austria, Finland, um, and perhaps some of the Scandinavian states if they wanted to join. But letting Italy join and Portugal and Greece, um, at the time a lot of economists said their economy is just too different. Um, their productivity levels are just too different. Their public debt is too big, and we're, we're leading us. This is a recipe for disaster, and this is the disaster we're in now. So, so um, I don't think the euro can survive as it is currently without there being some kind of fiscal union. How they do that, or whether or not politically they'll be able to do that, is a separate question. How does this crisis affect the future of the European Union? Yeah, it has a big effect on. So, if we go for scenario one, where Greece gets kicked out of the euro and then there's a domino effect and that leads to port pressure on Portugal and other member states, we could start to see the emergence of a core and a periphery EU, a core of the EU made up of Germany, France, the Benelux and a few other states around that, and then a periphery of the EU, the southern European states, Scandinavia, Eastern Europe, Britain, who, who then have to renegotiate their terms of their relationship with these core eurozone. And we, we can imagine some kind of fiscal union within the euro as a core heart of the EU and a single market, which is a broader single market. So that's one sort of scenario. The other scenario is, is we, the EU does move generally to a broader fiscal political union. Now, that's less likely, and that would require much more of a democratic mandate. So the big question there is how could they possibly legitimise that? given current public concerns, public opposition to the EU in a lot of states, particularly the net contributor states like in Finland and Holland and Germany. Um, and so I think the only way to do that would be if you have, for example, a, a contest for the Commission presidency in 2014 and the emergence of a democratic mandate for a particular vision at the European level. Now, that's unlikely. So right now, I think the former scenario is probably more likely. All right, we'll leave it there. Professor Hicks, you're off the hot seat. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. And thank you for being with us. This is our last hot seat for the summer, but we'll be back in October. Please tune in then.